0: Hi, welcome to How for Wildlife's Action Center Review. I have uh, Travis Hall with us on, and uh, Travis is one of our bill researchers and content writers. And uh, so he has hands-on experience with the, uh, the current bills we are working on in our Action Center. So what's going on, man?
1: Hey, John, how's it going? Appreciate you having me on here today.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, moving forward, that we're doing this, uh, this action center review, uh, once. I think we're going to be doing it like once a month.
1: And, okay. um,
0: so we're going to probably have you on more often since you're directly involved with them. So
1: awesome. Yeah. I'd love to be on whenever, whenever the need
0: arises. Awesome. So, um, I guess let's just, well, let's get a little quick rundown about you, um, so people know who we're talking with and, uh, And then we'll, we'll jump into some of these, these actions that we're working on.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm a freelance writer and I write primarily about hunting, fishing, conservation related content. Um, obviously I write for you guys, uh, in the action center quite a bit here lately and, uh, do a lot of writing for meat eater as well. And I've had a few articles in field and stream, uh, here lately, so i do that and then i also r- report for some uh local publications uh, i'm based out of montana western montana so you know i'm, I'm writing about hunting and conservation for a, a few local outlets as well here so awesome
0: yeah. so uh we've got a bunch of stuff going on still which is crazy i didn't think this late in the season we would have this many uh many things going on but um uh, you know, typically bill seasons like what January through April for, mm-hmm. for the most part, and here we are mid June. Yeah. So um, let's talk about this. Uh, let's the North Carolina Bear one. We'll start off with that. And if you could give us an okay. inn- overview of that bill, and then we'll kind of dive into it a little bit.
1: Yeah, so that bill, um, it was basically a response to an action by the North Carolina Wildlife Resources Commission, which is just the state agency that that administers the wildlife there in North Carolina. Um, but, you know, it's been several months now, but they, they have expanded or they're attempting to expand their uh, bear hunting opportunity in the Western part of the state, uh, Western North Carolina's mountainous uh, terrain quite a bit of public land at least for you know eastern standards they've got about a million acres between the pisgah and the nantahala Mm -hmm. national forest there but the yeah the commission decided that because bear populations have been expanding growing in north carolina they wanted to open up some opportunities in a few areas that had formerly been designated as sanctuaries uh, that was the terminology used in the 1970s when they kind of set this up. But mm-hmm. uh, these were areas that were off limits to bear hunting for a long time. But now, since numbers have rebounded so well, the uh, the wildlife commission decided to open up some limited uh, opportunity hunting there, some like limited entry draw stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, when that when they did that. They were challenged by a lot of animal rights groups uh, in that area. Uh, they they just met a lot of opposition. Uh, local media kind of latched on to the controversy of it all, as they tend to do. And it got a little blown out of proportion, I would say. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, it, it passed either way within the commission. And the rule should have gone into effect. Um, but then it got challenged in the legislature by the these same animal rights group they uh, they sent in quite a few letters hundreds of letters that um, caused the the rule to go into a review process with the legislature so then uh, after that a bill was introduced um to kind of strike this rule down but that's not that's not a given yet, so they just have to you know, kind of keep
0: an eye on that one, right? And so, I noticed that I, I had read some articles about it that were t- basically, it was a lot of people were misunderstanding what was mm-hmm. going on, and that's why they were so up in arms about it. Like, uh, I think the word sanctuary was with was throwing people off. Is that we were going to go, you know, hunt in these like fenced off uh, you know, places and stuff like that. I was, there was quite a bit of that I saw going around. Um, Mm -hmm. do you know, do you have the numbers of what the bear population was and what it's become in these areas?
1: You know, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but when I was reporting on this at the time I talked to a, a bear biologist there, And she told me that, you know, in the 1970s, it was, they were dwindling. I mean, the bear was, the black bear in North Carolina was all but um, gone from the area. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's when they designated those sanctuaries. And like you said, that terminology is a little problematic now um, because it kind of, it makes people think of like a national park or some, Mm -hmm. you know, somewhere that hunting would should never be allowed. But when they designated them in the 70s, it was with the understanding that once the, these populations rebounded, uh, there would be some hunting opportunity allowed. And that's just kind of, that's where they're at now. And I don't have the exact numbers, but I've been told by bear biologists in the state that they're just, they're thriving mm-hmm. bear numbers, particularly in the Western part of the state. Um, so this was just designed to kind of address that and, and manage that population because human bear conflict is on the seems to be on the rise there, um, particularly near the Smoky Mountains. Yeah, I I remember now. I'm not gonna don't
0: quote me on the numbers, but from what I understood from what I was reading, it went from like five thousand animals in like the 90s to like. 30,000 today. Mhm. Like it's yeah. crazy
1: crazy exploded. Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, it I wouldn't be surprised if that if that's pretty accurate.
0: Yeah, I mean, like I said, don't quote us on this uh look it up, but I know it's pretty pretty darn close to to those numbers, something very uh, you know, large large gap between, you know, when the la- like when the last time they did a A survey or whatever in the 90s to the last survey um Mm -hmm. you know 2020 i think it was maybe
1: yeah but yeah and i mean what they're what they're proposing to do here um is it's pretty limited really i mean they're not they're just i think it's like three or four um of these they're now calling them designated bear management areas the the commission's Officially changed that terminology away from sanctuaries Um, But I think they're only opening three or four of them for some some pretty limited lottery hunts Right, Uh, so you know, they already have a a pretty long a very long-standing culture of of bear hunting with hounds there in uh, In North Carolina. So they do a, a good job of managing their their populations I think they're just trying to stay on top of it as it continues to grow
0: Right, right so basically, you know if they are th- doesn't sound like they are cause it sounds like we're we're probably going to win this one here but mm-hmm. if we don't you know there's definitely going to be more bear human interaction cuz a lot of the of that sanctuary area or the those designated bear areas are almost landlocked in a way from, f- with mm-hmm. private lands um right so yeah Um,
1: yeah yeah that's that's the thing i mean there's there is some public land opportunity in north carolina um but you know historically bear hunters have seen their access to um places that they used to hunt on private land they've seen that access dwindle just in the face of development and a growing human population there
0: which yeah it's pretty much the case everywhere (laughs) yeah 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 you can't escape that god yeah it's (laughs) crazy um so let's uh let's let's talk about the next one here it's that utah's got something going on um i think that's the houses act correct Mm -hmm. yeah
1: yep yeah that's that's senator mike lee's houses act which i guess was introduced to the senate in april um of this year
0: Okay, and but, w- if you could tell us what that's about, and
1: yeah, basically that um, is a bill that he has put forth in the U.S. Senate that proposes to take some federally managed BLM land and um, free it up for purchased by uh, state and local municipalities in there in Utah, where he's a Senator in Utah. So it kind of focuses on Utah, but it wouldn't be exclusive to Utah. Um, But it would basically make those lands affordable to the municipalities, which would then um, be required to sell that land to developers for specifically for housing development. So that's that's federally managed BLM land in across the West that would become potentially become uh housing developments if this bill were to go through. Yeah. Um, so,
0: you know, I know it sounds like it might be pretty obvious, but like, let's talk about how that affects us and, and uh, maybe get into like the long-term implications of that for wildlife.
1: Yeah. I mean, if the bill were to go through, um, it's it represents pretty significant risk to uh, wildlife habitat. Obviously, uh, not just in Utah, but all over the Western U.S. Um, these animals rely on on public land for all kinds of all kinds of things, from just their natural everyday forage to winter range. Um, so, so once you start taking land out of, um, out of public hands and putting housing developments on it, which this is what this bill proposes. Then you obviously have that habitat loss that comes along uh, with that kind of thing. And then there's a, a big loss of access for hunters and other outdoor recreation, recreators that have traditionally used this type of land. So it's kind of twofold between the habitat loss for our, our wildlife and our loss of traditional access to these lands.
0: Yes. Um, so, I mean, this is not just a Utah thing, right? So it, it we could potentially as hunters and sportsmen have are our, our potentially lose thousands and thousands of acres that are open mm. for us to hunt. Right. yeah i mean i'm sorry i'm sorry with that obviously comes the ramifications for the wildlife using those that landscape because we already know you know especially like mule deer mule deer are very affected by defragmentation of their of their landscape right um they're they're not as adaptable as the whitetail or whatever that'll you know sleep underneath your back deck because you you know, <laughs> that's how they are. And right. mule deer just don't do that. I mean, some of them do. Some of them kind of grown up that way. And you'll see that in like Estes Park area and stuff like that. But, mm-hmm. you know, this this is bad. This is a very, very, very bad bill. Like if it right. goes through, I think this is definitely one that the troops need to rally behind. And I don't really, haven't really seen a lot of movement from from us on it to be honest with you um Mm -hmm. i know it's from helpful wildlife specifically i'll pull that up right now yeah Yeah. i was wondering how many signatures it has not a whole lot 20 almost 2300 which Mm -hmm. is what when it's something this you know egregious or You know impactful i guess is a better way to put it um right to to hunters and wildlife directly like we i think we need to we need to really get get on this one here guys so you know don't sit on your hawks um
1: yeah yeah it's an important it's an important thing to try to fight this. I mean, Mike Lee, is, he has a longstanding history uh, throughout his tenure in the Senate of trying to transfer federally managed land um, out of federal hands kind of into the state or, in this case, local municipalities where it, it can then be sold off to private interests. And once it's gone, it's gone forever. Yeah. And it's yeah. Yeah, it's... It's access that's lost and it's it's wildlife habitat and both of those things are you know already dwindling. So do you know if BHA
0: is working on that at all?
1: Yeah, well, it I don't, sounds I, like that's like right in their wheelhouse of
0: what their mission yeah. is. But I don't Yeah, know. they've
1: been definitely on top of this one since the bill was introduced and even you know, I heard some rumblings about it before it, it was even introduced in the Senate. Um, but they have, they have a portal that sends, sends people to, um, to Mike Lee, and they're sending a ton of letters. Uh, I talked to Lan Taney whenever I reported on this for Meat Eater back when it first um, made news, and he kind of indicated to me that it, he didn't think this bill would have much support in the Senate, um, and he'd be surprised if it even got out of the committee. Mm-hmm. um just i think bills like this that that kind of tend to or attempt to steal land from the american people they just don't go over very well with people outside of maybe outside of mike lee's direct constituency right. uh, once they get a, nas- in a national spotlight the uprising can be pretty fierce and it has been in the past for similar efforts that mike lee and other like-minded politicians are put forth so
0: yeah i i don't know like for me i think that that mentality that it's i know guys have been around this stuff for long and you know have seen it but i think that mentality is dangerous to that sit back on your hawks and just, okay, I don't, you know, I don't think, or I don't, whatever this is, you know, too outlandish, especially nowadays. Like, I mean, look what's going on in this world. Like this is, I think we got to be super heated and, and, Mm -hmm. and fired up about every little, every little thing that comes up and just fight tooth and nail. I
1: agree. It's one
0: of the things that drives me insane. like, to see when I open up the action center and I see something like this and there's only 2,400 or 2,300 signatures or whatever and I'm like mm. we have 40,000 plus members on Alpha mm. Wildlife or, or members and users you know I'm like mm. why don't we have 40,000 signatures right you know we have 16 mm-hmm. million hunters why don't we have 16 million signatures you know like right the, the, we we shouldn't be losing anything we should mm-hmm. be working like I, I mean it is our goal to to start working to get stuff that we've lost in the past back you
1: right.
0: know mm-hmm. you, you know this lion like lion hunting in california or something like that we want to we want to be able to work on that stuff It shouldn't be that hard to just get on here and drop a signature. This is, this is big stuff. Um, Again, I know it seems like it might be to, you know, easily, uh, you know, what's the word I'm looking for, like brushed off or whatever, but it's like, Mm -hmm. I, I don't know, like there's too much of this stuff going on right now. There's. There's a lot of land la a lot of land issues going on. Matter of fact, we're gonna get into this next one here. I want to talk about Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um what what's going on over there?
1: Oh uh, New Jersey, so there is a bill and I believe it's in the New Jersey House. Um but it it would it basically takes a an existing buffer zone um for People that are hunting with archery equipment say, mm-hmm. um, at the moment you you have to be 150 feet from a residential dwelling. I think mm-hmm. uh, with your archery equipment, you cannot hunt inside that zone. But it's it's going to take that and extend it out to about 450 feet. Um, and you know that's just one portion of it. The other, uh, maybe even more egregious part of that bill is that it, it, requires private landowners in the state of New Jersey to inform all adjacent property owners of their plans to hunt mm-hmm. that, that property that they own. Um, so you would have to send a letter to, or somehow inform a, your neighbors that you plan to deer hunt on your property. And then before you could go through with your hunting plans, you have to receive a some sort of receipt from, uh, those neighbors,
0: which is absolutely Uh, ridiculous. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, um, I I know this is not necessarily, I mean, it it does affect public lands too. And I'll get into that in a minute, but mm -hmm. to me, think about this. Let's say I'm, I'm a guy that owns, I don't know, three acres, which mm -hmm doesn't sound like a lot especially us western guys three acres is nothing but as you're talking to a guy that hunts a five acre lot has hunted one acre lots for whitetail back east many many times yeah so if i own let's say a two acre parcel of my house is on it and my neighbor you know my neighbor to the right of me doesn't want me to hunt mm-hmm then I can't hunt on my land, you know. Right. Let's <laughs> yeah. or let's say that let's say that all of them agree that I could hunt, and we just went to four hundred and fifty feet versus a hundred. Or was it yards or feet? I think it's feet, isn't it? Oh, well, I think it's yards. Actually, I might have misspoken and said feet. But okay. I think it's yards. So now, when you're talking about two acres, depending on the relation, you know the the where my house is located on my land let's say or excuse me my my neighbor's house is located on his land let's say he's kind of right up against the boundary now Mm -hmm. i'm going to lose 150 yards of my own property that i cannot hunt because because of this law you know
1: right and
0: and it's you know the same thing goes for public lands like Back east where I, or in Long Island where I hunt, there's these little tracks, you know, of couple acres, several acres of, of land in between housing that Mm -hmm. have crap ton of deer, lots of deer, Suffolk County. I'm going to bring up because I'm going to speak specifically to this because I, I know it well. Suffolk County. So you're
1: you're from originally from yeah uh, the Northeast. Correct. Okay. I, I've
0: been living in Arizona since 1991, so I've been here for 30 almost 31 years. In August it'll be 31 okay. years. Yeah. Um. So I'm I'm pretty much a zonie. I've been in Arizona for way longer than I was in New York, but I go back, and my wife is from New York too. We go back okay. every year, and I go hunting there almost every single year. So, um, yeah. and they got a lot of whitetails in uh New Jersey and New York. Right? Tons. 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 Th- those states, those areas have like one of the highest, if not the highest, in the country for deer vehicle collisions, nuisance mm-hmm. problems with deer eating, you know landscaping and tick problem like you wouldn't believe um mm-hmm. you know, so there's all this stuff there that so these deer definitely need to be managed one hundred percent matter of fact, in New York, if you shoot a doe. You bring the doe to get it checked in. They will give you another tag of either sex tag. Wow. You could could do that twice. Like, that's how many deer are there. So, you have a problem with deer. And this is the same thing with Jersey. You know, you have this this issue. And you're effectively cutting off the main tool to managing this problem off at the knees. By constantly whacking away at the ability to actually hunt right you know the 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 problem is is in these suburban areas you can't like okay oh yeah i could still go to you know the national forest or go to a large tract that's you know thousands of acres and go hunt but that's not where the problem of the deer is and that's not mm going to fix the problem (laughs) that you're having right
1: so yeah because whitetails they like that edge habitat they they they're on the edge of Human occupation—that's kind of where they they congregate. So yeah, they're taking away that opportunity to to manage those populations. Yeah, exactly. So you know,
0: now this is one of the things that I've been trying to get people to understand. um, Going back to that little conversation we have, like, why don't we have thirty-five thousand signatures, forty thousand signatures? Mm. Is you know the. You and me—we're out here in the West. You're in Montana. I'm here in Arizona. How does this affect us, right? It, and people don't realize that you—if you, you lose—if you lose hunters because they can no longer hunt in their state, your voice gets smaller and smaller and smaller, and eventually that's going to trickle back to you. Yeah. Um, it's going to come in 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 the way of uh, legal precedents. It's going to come in the fact that there's less money being put in the pot. So we all contribute into the same pot. You can't mm-hmm. think of it. You're not doing it as in a state level. You, I mean, you are at certain you know tag sales or whatever. But when it comes to uh, you know Pittman Robinson and stuff like that, that is a large pot that the whole country puts into, and then it gets divvied up. Well, that pot right. keeps getting smaller people need to understand that we're, we're only, we only exist because of that pot, because without us, us, there would not be a mechanism to run conservation.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And it's what protects us on a great, on a grander scale. That's why we're, that's why we're constantly dealing with the, uh, you know, death by a million cuts because there's chipping away yeah. at the edges all the time, chipping away at the edges yeah. all the time because they can't do something like, oh, let's get rid of deer hunting, you know, because, mm-hmm. but you start losing stuff like this and it just, people just don't want to deal with it. I can't even hunt on my own land. Why, why, you know, that's what I got into bow hunting for. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to do this anymore. So now that guy's not buying bows and he's not, you know, so exactly. Yeah, yeah it's just, it's, it's a crazy thing. So I just kind of want to just keep hitting that home for yeah, people to understand that um
1: right yeah, it's um like you said, the death by a thousand cut strategy that's their their most successful when I say they I mean the animal the organized animal rights activist mm-hmm. coalition uh, that's their most successful route um, as far as limiting opportunities and the the more convoluted and um, hard to discern they can make these efforts. The better for them because they kind of tend to go under the radar oh yeah whenever they don't cause a huge uprising yeah like this thing well this is challenges private property rights and limits people's abilities to hunt on their own land so it it should cause a big uprising but it it is pretty convoluted in the language of the bill it's like most of these attacks tend to be yes for sure
0: um so I, I, I kind of left this one for last, and we might actually touch on another one that you, you looked into a little bit, but the New York has the lead ban bill. Uh, mm-hmm. I want you to describe that, and then I kind of want to kind of dive into it, because at first it's like, okay, I mean, so we got to shoot copper bullets or whatever the case might be. But it's it, mm-hmm. it's a little bit more uh, complex. So
1: Yeah. Yeah, so the lead bands get tricky, because um, on first glance, you tend to think, well, it's probably a good thing to to limit lead on the landscape as much as possible through the, the use of lead ammunition, um, but it's it's kind of like anything else, in in my opinion, and there are all kinds of opinions on lead, so, you know, people go in all kinds of different directions on this, but mm-hmm. it seems like it, it's better... Um, kind of governed by this, the wildlife agencies, the state wildlife agencies and the scientists and biologists that work there in my opinion. I think the lead bans should be, if they're going to be put in place at all, they should be put in place by those professionals. Um, but this is one that's kind of like, um, it would just be a legislative prohibition on um, almost all state-owned public land in New York, I think. Um, and yeah, it would just outlaw all lead ammo use on um state owned land and all the land within the the water supply that feeds into the water supply of New york city right um so yeah very a large sweeping ban on lead and you know what that does is it it tends to keep people away from hunting and fishing it it works against new hunter recruitment efforts Uh, obviously lead ammo is less expensive than some of the copper and other uh, alternatives but so it will it will weed out hunters new hunters and even existing hunters in new york Uh,
0: yeah that goes back to what we were just talking about the pot getting smaller
1: right the Pittman robertson dollars uh, will continue to dwindle in the face of something like this. Yeah. And I um for those of
0: you who are interested in it or not, on my personal podcast on Days in the Wild, I um I did a uh we t- talked specifically about lead and lead poisoning and I had a, a gentleman, Dr. Brozdale, on uh to oh, talk nice. about that. And it's a it's it's pretty good. We're not gonna get into that right now, but if you wanna listen to that, there's there's a lot Uh, there's a lot of research as to why and, and, you know, what and whatnot. So just, uh, yeah, take a look at that and you'll kind of find out a little bit more about it. Um, but, uh, yeah. So the lead ban it's on, on, on the grand scale of things is not a good thing for us, I guess. And, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know.
1: It doesn't seem like that. uh, At least, not this particular attempt to regulate lead. Um, That's not to say that that lead should ammo shouldn't be uh, regulated in certain circumstances because there there's a lot of good science that that shows that you know raptors uh, such as condors and bald eagles that will ingest lead fragments from gut piles will ultimately die from that that toxicity um but again i think it goes back to we need to empower our state agencies to make these decisions and not use these uh sweeping legislative efforts because they kind of get they tend to get co-opted just like everything else in the legislature that has to do with hunting um mm-hmm. uh, the center for biological diversity or whatever it might be, will get behind an effort and then, and kind of use that to advance their goals of limiting hunting opportunity. Um, Whereas if it's just done on a case by case basis by our wildlife agencies, I think that's a better outlook for this or uh, solution to this lead problem that we have. Right.
0: Yeah. Like obviously if there is a, Uh, an area that is specifically, I don't know, California Condor or whatever, where Mm -hmm. there, that is an issue, that is a problem, that is a known problem that we're having with the lead. Right. Yeah. And then, uh, you mentioned the water supply, you know, we've already eliminated lead from waterfowl hunting
1: Mm -hmm, you know exactly
0: that like those make sense to me but you know to go shoot a deer in the woods right that you're not gonna have you know a condor in there or it's not open country where you're even gonna have vultures or raptors or whatever Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't seem like a prudent thing to do you know
1: yeah, but, and with yeah. the water sl- water supply uh, issue in particular there in New York City, or New York State, the water that feeds to New York City, um, I was reading something about, you know, they have so many of these shooting ranges on public land throughout that watershed uh, where, you know, they, they go back however many decades of people just constantly Shoot uh, rain door. shooting lead ammo. Mm-hmm. Um, and and they that hasn't contaminated the water supply so why do we have a reason to believe that you know further big game hunting in the adirondacks where people are hunting white-tailed deer with with lead ammo is going to be problematic you know if, if it's not if it's not already proven from these shooting ranges that have existed for a long time
0: right right well cool um i do want to close with this just to bring it up um there's a bill in washington Uh not bill but it, there's a, a situation in washington that I want to mm-hmm. touch on i'm actually going to be doing a podcast with uh bart george who is uh the lion guy we'll, we'll call him the lion guy in in uh in washington um, yeah that will we'll be specifically talking about this and have it really um you know flesh it out but let's let's just give a quick overview so there's a problem right now in Washington in the blue blue mountain elk herd mm-hmm. um which used to be the largest single herd i think in the country
1: oh wow i didn't know that
0: yeah i believe it was and yeah. now is um on the decline, right? Drastically. Yep.
1: And yeah, it seems that way. Um, they they have an ung a um, ungulate herd there that they've been studying. The Department Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife has been studying pretty heavily over the last year, um, monitoring um, calf growth rate. I think so. They collared. A whole bunch of calves and elk calves in that in that herd, and found that their predation rates are just kind of through the roof. Um, something crazy like I don't know, eighty percent or more of these calves succumb to some form of predation, um, in and in a pretty huge number um, portion of that was attributed to mountain lion predation. Yeah,
0: I got the exact numbers here, I think. I just pulled it up, so. Um, There is, hold on a second here. Um, Oh, I thought I had it right in front of me. I'm sorry, guys. Um, Trying to find out how many they collared. I think they collared 125 animals. Yep. Yep. And uh, ninety-two of them, or something like that, was—I don't have the numbers exactly—but I have ninety. I want to say ninety-two of them were were killed by predation. Um, mm-hmm. Or I'm sorry, there was only nine alive, or something like that. Left. Yeah, I think
1: that's what—that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, nine yeah, yeah. of them survived. Nine of them survived.
0: Okay, right, and yeah. uh, seventy-seven of those deaths were directly related to mountain lions
1: okay yeah i think what i have is 77 were as a result of some form of predation but 55 uh deaths were attributed directly to cougars
0: okay yep you're right that's exactly it sorry guys we we should have had our numbers i wasn't prepared to talk about this one but i know i wanted to touch on it real quick um yeah and the rest were black bears uh wolves and even they even yeah. determined that one or two of them were killed by bobcats too, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. they got a big predator problem there. And yes. right now there's a proposition to uh, add an additional lion tag. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's some there's some people out there that think, well, that's just not going to do anything because we don't even meet the quota. But if you look at it from the standpoint that this is one of the things that we need to check, uh, the box that we need to check, um, uh, it's not going to hurt anything to, put another, to be able to get another lion tag there. It's not going to hurt right. anyone. Heck, it might even help by putting some more money out there. Okay, mm-hmm. Exactly. Are we going to be taking more lions if people get more tags? I don't know. Probably not. There's a couple of people that said, you know, you might see five or six more lions taken out a year. A year. Mm-hmm. Well, five or six more lions, if you do the math, you know, let's say six lions times 52, that's 312 animals, you know, undulates that you just saved. Um, That's not a small number, you know. but Right. Um, but the whole thing is, the whole premise behind it is, you need to have more tags there. And let's say we put the more tags there and the, um, you know, in two years, you really look at it and say, hey, well, listen, we still haven't met this objective.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now let's go to the next step. Let's allow right. hound hunting again or let's allow because you can't hound hunt there.
1: Right. Right yeah it's been out loud since the nineties or I think,
0: yeah, you know, they followed suit with
1: California, so mm-hmm.
0: but it's like you can't you can't make changes. It, you know, or you can't hope that everything's going to change in one shot. But if you may, if you do this now, you have something to point to. You're like, look, we even increased the line tail. We're still not getting there. What what can we do? What tool can we use? We know this is effective. Let's do that. Mm-hmm. You know, right. So you have right. to have those those steps to to point to. And I don't think people are understanding that. A lot of so a lot of people with up in arms about it, saying, oh, this is just a you know like a shell game. It's just going to make people right. feel like we're doing something and we're not doing anything with it and, and yada mm-hmm. yada yada so from my perspective um and hal's perspective this is just a necessary thing that we need to do to go to the next step right so we're yeah, supporting
1: it It seems like they're in washington um people are going to have to play the long game because that commission um has Recent, some new appointees that, um, you know, some people don't think are really soundly rooted in the North American model of wildlife conservation. So yeah.
0: Yeah, that's... people are going to
1: have to be willing to, like you said, just, yeah, engage in this step. This is one step in the process. It's not, it's not going to be a viable solution for the predator problem that they have there. No. Um, but it's participation and it's an opportunity to um, engage and voice your opinion i guess if nothing else
0: exactly well awesome man i want to thank you for coming on and going through these with us and uh we'll definitely uh we'll get you back on here and probably next month and we'll talk about a few more other ones
1: awesome john well I've, i've enjoyed it i appreciate you having me on i appreciate all the work uh you guys are doing and the opportunity to help uh craft some of these these actions
0: no, no problem at all. Then thank you for your your, your help on them. We need it.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm glad to help. All right. Have a
0: good one. All right. Have a good one. Bye-bye.